Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow down your heads. Let us pray. God bless you all. Father, we thank you again for tonight. And we are so blessed to be here. We pray in the name of Jesus, asking, O oh God, that you will speak to us as you have done each and every time we gather. I pray for everyone here and I pray for everyone watching. Let every one of us receive something that will draw us closer to you. Something that will help us in our Christian walk and in this beautiful experience of the new life that you have ushered us into. I thank you, Father, tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. God bless you and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Tonight I intend to bring the message I started sharing with you about two weeks ago to a close. And we've been looking at seven attitudes we must come to God with. So this, I believe, is part three. It's a three-part series. Seven attitudes we must come to God with. Can I have an amen? And just to recap, when we talk about an attitude, we are talking about basically a certain way of behaving. Amen. And you behave in that way because of the way you feel or the way you think or the way your mind works. Hallelujah. Now, usually you will have an attitude towards somebody or you will have an attitude towards something. A former prime minister of England, of Britain, made a statement. He said, an attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Think about it. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. In this life, there are little things that make a big difference. For example, if you serve somebody with a smile, a smile is a little thing, but it can actually make a big difference. And that is why you may have heard it being said before that service with a smile is a great thing. Amen. Yeah. 
saying thank you for things that are done for you is a little thing but it makes a big difference thank you it's a two letter uh, uh, it's, it's a two worded statement thank you but it makes a big difference I'm always conscious of people who should say thank you but they don't And anytime I experience that, I see that I'm dealing with somebody who has a bad attitude. So when somebody does something for you, you're supposed to say thank you. And the thank you, you have to even say it well. Because there's a way you can say thank you. One kakranke and yeah. Do you see? And you say thank you. Thank you. Or, or, or you've done something to somebody, you're supposed to say, sorry. Okay, sorry. So you are saying sorry with a bad attitude. Somebody also said that a bad attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you're not going anywhere. That's also a very powerful statement. Is that not so? Yeah. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. If your car has a flat tire, you're not going anywhere. If you try and drive with it, you're going to spoil the tire. So you need to change it. And that's what a bad attitude is. If you don't change it, you're not going to go anywhere in life. You know, I've been around long enough and my work as a pastor makes me interact with a lot of people. Okay? And I think that over the years of pastoring, one of the things I've come to see is that sometimes what makes the difference between people who are succeeding and those who are struggling is attitude. And it's like the little thing that makes a big difference. There are people who are never promoted at their workplace. Why? Attitude. There are people when an opportunity comes up, they never seem to be the ones to get it. Why? attitude so attitude is a very very important thing and I want each and every one of us to examine ourselves critically that do we have an attitude problem are there certain attitudes bad attitudes negative attitudes associated with us which may explain why we don't seem to be going anywhere in life. About a week ago, I am on, on a platform somewhere. I'm not going to give you too many details. And there are 
just about eight people on that platform. And it's made up of six guys and two ladies. I noticed that one of the ladies had posted something on the platform that was completely out of order. And it was obvious when you read what was posted that she was quarreling with somebody. That she was trying to pick a quarrel with another person on the platform. So I called her and asked her that, what is the meaning of this thing you posted? And then she started talking plenty. That there, that, that there was something that the other lady on the platform posted on her status. And when she saw that thing, she knew that <laughs> she, was, she was talking about her. And so she decided to take her on, on this general platform. And, and, and give her a piece of her mind. And I told her, never ever post anything like that on this platform again. I explained to her that why do you think that somebody is posting her thing and changing that it is you that she's talking about. I said, what's wrong with you? And she started talking about some dreams that she's been having. And it's like somebody has is, is, is been preventing her from getting married. Anytime some, somebody comes her way to marry, then before she realizes, then the person is gone. The person is not coming again. So all that she was saying was that she feels that certain things that are not happening in her life are not happening because of this other lady on the platform. And she can see that she has an attitude problem. Everybody can see except her. Lift up your hand and say, Father, remove the scales from my eyes. May I see what I have to see. Help me by your spirit to correct whatever I have to correct. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, there's, you know, that, that verse of scripture is a verse that I like very much. I've, I've actually preached many times based on that verse. And I usually preach it at weddings. That's where I preach it. I preach it at weddings. What does it say? Take us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Can you put a more modern version? Let's say New Living Translation. What does it say? Catch all the foxes. Which foxes? Say it again with me. Those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Good news translation. Catch the foxes, the little foxes, before they ruin our vineyard in bloom. What is it saying? 
So, this is a message from one lover to the other. Because the Song of Solomon is a, a love story. Alright? Between Solomon and a certain fine chick that he fell in love with. Now, here, I believe it is the lady speaking that catch the foxes, the little foxes. Now, she specifies the little foxes. Not the big ones. The little ones. That's Paul the vine. It's easy to think that because they are little, they are harmless, and they are less destructive. But it's a mistake to ignore the little foxes because they can be very devastating and they can destroy the great thing that you have. So the scenery here is a grape vine or a vineyard of grapes. Do you know grapes? Do you eat it sometimes? You do? Yeah. So, you know, you have to understand that the, the, the people of Israel are predominantly farmers. So they have animal farms, then they have crop farms and all of that. And some of the best wines you can find in the world come from Israel. So they have vineyards where they produce a lot of vines and everything. And sometimes these little foxes, they mess up the plants. They go in there, eat anything they can, and they just mess it up. So that's why it's in a catch as the little foxes that spoil the vine. What am I saying to you? That sometimes the little things, say, they are the most destructive. They are the most destructive. And attitudes are little things. But they make a lot of difference. If your attitude stinks, no man will like to marry you. It's true. If you are a lady and your attitude is some way, you like quarreling. Small thing, then you jigged. Do you know jiga? Hey. Small thing, now we jiga. If you do that, you will drive everybody away from you. And I want to advise all of you where you work. Make sure you portray a good attitude all the time. Don't work where you work with an attitude of always complaining. Always lamenting. The money is not enough. They don't pay as well. They don't treat as well. They don't this. They don't this. They... Stop that thing. Anybody who does that all the time is not going anywhere. Don't do the work with the mindset of because they don't pay as well, I won't work well. After all, the work is not for my father, neither is it for my mother. So I won't work well. It's a bad attitude. And because of that, you may not see certain things in your life. Tell the person sitting by you, already pastor has said so many things. So we can share the grace and go home. Hallelujah. Anyway. So we are talking about seven attitudes we must come to God with. What I just said was by the way. I just spoke by inspiration. 
And I believe that there's a message in it for, for somebody. Hallelujah. Now, coming to God has to do with fellowshipping with him, interacting with him, and seeking him. And how do we do that? Like what we are doing tonight, we've come to God. So when you come to church, you are coming to God. When you pray, you are coming to God. When you have your quiet time, you are coming to God. When you go on a, on, on a personal retreat, you are coming to God. Now, whenever you are coming to God, it is important to come with the correct attitudes. Otherwise, you will miss out on so many blessings that are available whenever you interact with God. And not just that, but coming to God with a bad attitude can be harmful to you yourself. Because you may end up being punished or you may end up incurring the wrath of God just because you came to him and the attitude was wrong. Aaron, the high priest, he lost two of his sons because they decided to burn incense when they were not supposed to. Fire consumed them. So coming to God with a wrong attitude can actually cost you a lot of things. And I'm sharing with you seven attitudes we must come to God with. So that anytime we come to God and we come with those attitudes, we can expect to be blessed. We can expect to be refreshed. We can expect to be restored. We can expect to be revived. We can expect to have great blessings deposited into our lives. Hallelujah. Attitude number one. Check your notes. What's the first attitude we spoke about? Attitude of reverence. Amen. Reverence has to do with deep respect and honor that is tinged with awe. Awe is fear, wonder, and amazement. And when you come to God, you must come with an attitude of reverence. Number two, you must come with an attitude of thanksgiving. Amen. And you must come and express your gratitude to God. Anytime you're coming to God, you must come with an attitude of thanksgiving. That is why it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and, into, and, and enter his courts with praise. So what you need to be able to assess, the first thing you need to be able to assess the presence of God. Because if you're coming to this house of worship, you must enter the gate. And what you need to enter the gate of God's presence is thanksgiving. Not complaints. Not whining. Not always unhappy and dissatisfied with your lot in life. Don't do that. Because some of us complain too much. And the only thing we can see are negative things. That's all we can see. Why can't you see anything good about your roommate? Why? Every time you're complaining about she did this, she did that, she did this, she did that. She... Why? Why can't you see anything good about your wife? Why can't you see anything good about your husband? 
Why can't you see anything good about your pastor? Why can't you see anything good about your church member? Because some pastors, they are always insulting the church members. So they are all snakes. <laughs> they are all snakes. Wicked people. Confused people. Why? Must, you, must, you must learn to say good things about people. If you, if you really want them to put out their very best. So coming to God, you must come with an attitude of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. What's the third one you have? Humility. Humility. Where you have a limited or a moderate opinion of yourself. You don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. That is what humility is about. And remember I told you the story of the two guys who went into the temple. One was a Pharisee. One was a tax collector. The Pharisee came with an attitude of pride and arrogance. Talking in a certain way. You see, your pride is often seen by the way you talk. And the comments you pass. You see, if you start talking in a certain way, what, what, you, are, what, what, what you are saying defines you as somebody who is full of pride and who is full of arrogance. And people who always talk about themselves and use themselves as examples for good things, but then always use others as examples of bad things, it shows something about them. Because this Pharisee guy, he just went on and on and on about I fast, I give alms, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a cheater, I'm not a... It's just about I, 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 I. And then he pointed to the tax collector. As I said, that guy, I wonder who asked him to come to church. He's so full of evil and sin. I'm not like him. God, I thank you that you made me different from people like that. The Bible says when they finished, it was the tax collector who returned home justified. That means that he was made right in the sight of God. Whenever we come to God, we must come coolly. We must put away every pride. And anything that makes us think that we are something that we are not. Then the next one is an attitude of boldness or confidence. Boldness or confidence. So you see, it's a two-way thing. You mustn't come with pride. Okay? You mustn't come with pride. But it also doesn't mean that you should come crawling or, you know, groveling in the, in the, in the dust. You know, with an attitude of, I, I can't come uh, because, you know, something bad is going to happen. And I gave you this illustration that if you're going for an interview or if you are interacting with an important person or a great person, important people, they like people who speak with confidence. Do you understand what I'm saying? People who speak with boldness. People who, when they are meetings, they contribute. And, and they are able to say something. They are full of boldness to speak. So important people like that. And God wants us to come to him with boldness or confidence. But that boldness and confidence is not in ourselves. When that boldness and confidence is in yourself then that is what we define as pride. You are overconfident. You are, you are too bold in yourself and you think whatever. 
But when that boldness and confidence is in Christ Jesus, when you come, you know that you will obtain mercy and find grace to help before the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Wonderful. So, that's where we got to, right? Let's do the last three. Attitude number five, faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. New Living Translation says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Did you hear that? And it is impossible to please God without faith. The next statement. Anyone who wants to come to him. So you see we are talking about attitudes that you must come to God with. And now it is showing us clearly that anyone who wants to come to him. Who is him here? God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Amen. So here, the author of the book of Hebrews is showing us something important. That when you come to God or when you are coming to God, you must come in faith. Now what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. So faith simply is having a certain hope that, that, that something good is coming or something good has already come your way. That is what faith is. Now when you come to God, you must come with an attitude of faith. Not an attitude of doubt. You must come to God and you must believe that God is a good God. You must come to God and have faith that God is looking out for your interest. When you come to God, you must come to God with faith that he doesn't want to hurt you or harm you. When you come to God, you must come with an attitude of faith, believing that God loves you. When you come to God, you must come believing that he's interested in you doing well. In you being blessed. In you making it. In you prospering. In you having joy. In you having a job. In you having money. In you having a husband. In you having a wife. In you having a child. In you having good health. God is interested in all of these things. And when you come to God, you must come with faith. Believing that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Hallelujah. Amen. Lift up your hand and say, God is a rewarder. Is a rewarder. Say it again. God is, God is a rewarder. And so I will come to him with an attitude of faith. Hallelujah. So when it's time to gather like this. Or whenever you decide to. Seek the face of God to pray, to read your Bible, to have your quiet time. You must do so with an attitude of faith. Believing that there's something good that God is going to deposit into your life as you have come to him. Look, if we come to God with an attitude of faith, we will never leave his presence without being blessed. Should I say that again? If we come to God with an attitude of faith, we will never leave his presence without being blessed. 
if you come to church, if you come for a meeting like this, and you walk away from the meeting without identifying something tangible or something positive that you have received, then there's a problem. And one of the main things you should look out for is perhaps there was an attitude that I, I portrayed and that's why I didn't get anything out of coming into the presence of God. So faith is an attitude that you must come to God with. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. So important is faith that even for you and I to be saved, it takes faith. Have you thought about that? It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So if you are saved, that means if you are born again, what caused it to happen was your faith. So coming to God, eh, you must always come with a lot of faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. Give me the good news translation. For we have heard the good news just as they did. Now this is referring to, you know, like the people of Israel under the Old Testament and all of that. They heard the message, but it did them no good. Why? Because when they heard it, they did not accept it with faith. So the message was preached though. Give me the King James Version. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in them that had it. Now when you come into the presence of God like this, when you come for a service and a meeting like this, one of the things, important things that happens during the meeting is the preaching of the word of God or the teaching of the word of God. But if you do not meet the preaching of the word of God with faith or you don't have faith when the word of God is being ministered, it will not profit you. And you go away without nothing much having changed in you. Without having received any knowledge, any instruction, any understanding, any wisdom, any encouragement. You will go without having received anything. Why? Because faith wasn't there. There was an absence of an attitude of faith. So coming to God requires that we come with an attitude of faith. Hallelujah. So anytime we come for a meeting, anytime you are coming to church... Make sure that you, you, you speak to yourself before you come. And, and tell yourself that as I'm going for this meeting, as I'm going for this service, I believe that I will be blessed. I believe that I will be imparted. After all, this service is called times of impartation. Is that not so? I believe that my life will be affected. 
I believe that I'll receive some knowledge, some instruction, some revelation that will help my life. Now, if you come with an attitude of faith, like today, if you came with an attitude of faith, already you, you should have had something that will help you as you move away from here. Because I, I talked about an attitude at your workplace. If you came with faith and you were listening well, you will go from here knowing that, Charlie, there's a way I've been behaving at, the, at my workplace. I should stop behaving like that. Or there's a way I've been relating with my roommate. I should stop behaving like that. So there are so many great things, so many treasures of wisdom that are available for us when we come into the presence of God. But why don't we get them all the time? One of the reasons is because we do not come with an attitude of faith. Tell your neighbor, I have changed from today. Attitude number six is the attitude of expectation. It is connected to faith, but I decided to separate them. An attitude of expectation. When we talk about expectation, it's, it's like an anticipation that something is going to happen. Okay? That's what expectation is. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 17 to 26. The sixth attitude we must come to God with is an attitude of expectation. Oh, how we will be so mightily blessed if only we can work on our attitudes when we come into the presence of God. Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 17, New Living Translation. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. So a lot of people gathered. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Did you see that? I can't hear you. Did you see that? It says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Switch to King James. Look at the last sentence. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So keep that in mind as we continue reading. Some men, go back to New Living Translation. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So as you can see, there was a crowd there were a lot of people present. So what did they do? They went up to the roof and took off some tiles. So they climbed up and went to remove the roofing tiles. Either they were thieves, armed robbers, or they were carpenters. <laughs> they know how to remove roofing sheets and tiles. Wow. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, What does he think he is? You see the way they are? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. 
Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. May you receive an instantaneous miracle in your life within the next few days. Hallelujah. If there's something you are believing God for, I prophesy into your life that that thing will be manifested speedily and instantly and immediately in your life. In Jesus' name, shout an amen like thunder. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Hallelujah. So here was Jesus having a powerful meeting. And the Bible makes a profound statement that the healing power and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The King James says, and the power of God to heal was present. But I want to draw your attention to something that Although the power of God to heal was present, nobody in the crowd was healed until these guys came with their friend. To so think about it. The power to heal was there. But there is no record of anybody being healed, although there was a crowd. And usually in a crowd, by all means, somebody's head is paining him. Somebody's stomach is paining him. Somebody's leg is not working well, by all means. But nobody was healed in that crowd. Although the power of God to heal was present. And we are talking about Jesus, who has power unlimited. Nothing happened. Nobody was healed. Until these four guys came with their friend. Why did they carry their friend on his... Can you imagine? The guy's bed. They went to carry the guy from his house. On his bed. To take him to the meeting. Why? Because they had an expectation that something was going to happen to their friend. That's why they did that. Can you imagine that somebody is lying on his standard bed? Or queen size bed. Or king size bed. And you are carrying the whole bed. Because you see sometimes when somebody is sick and all of that. If you try to move the person. Touch the person. You know there are some people when they are not. When you touch them. There are some very serious problems. Eh? So they carry the guy with his bed. For the church service. It is only people who had an expectation. Who would do something like that. And that expectation translated into their faith. And Jesus recognized it and said, wow. So here is Jesus ministering, ministering, ministering. Nobody was healed. Nothing was happening. And suddenly they heard, where they raised their head and said, ah. Somebody is actually removing the roofing sheets. What's going on here? Then as they looked, they saw four guys who had lowered their head and they were smiling. All correct, sir. All correct. They said, excuse me, we are coming. Therefore, they realized they were lowering something down, down, down. Say, so what is this? Because when they got there, the crowd was so thick and they told themselves that today be today. We are not returning home with our friend. 
he must be healed. And we are expecting that once we get him into contact with this Jesus, there will by all means be a miracle. We have an expectation for a miracle today. They lowered their friend in there. And when Jesus saw them, they said, Hey, you guys, you really have faith. Minister to the guy. And a great and fantastic miracle occurred. But the starting point of it all was an expectation. Was an expectation. And so I submit to you that when you are coming to God, coming into the presence of God, you must come with an expectation. Expectation. Expect. Expect that something good will happen to you. Expect that I cannot come into the presence of Jesus without something good happening to me. So there's a song we sing. I don't want to go the same way I came. Touch me with your hand. Jesus, I don't want to go the same way I came. So touch me with your hand, Jesus. That must be our attitude all the time. When we are coming into the presence of God. Look, if our attitude is like that, we come to God every time with an attitude of expectation. I promise you, I don't want to swear. But I promise you that by all means, every time you will be blessed before you leave. Telling you. And it's all because you came with an attitude of expectation. He may say that, oh, expectation, is that all there is to it? But I told you at the beginning, there are little things that make a big difference. Expectation. Hallelujah. And then the last attitude is you must be willing and joyful when you come to God. So an attitude of willingness and joyfulness. An attitude of willingness and joyfulness. Hallelujah. An attitude of willingness and joyfulness. An attitude of a dear being. Willingness and joyfulness. Whenever you're coming to God, you must come with such an attitude. Psalms 122 and verse 1. Psalms 122 verse 1. What does it say? King James Version. Can we read it together? Ready, go. When you go into the house of the Lord, who are you going to meet with? God. So when you go into the house of the Lord, you are coming to God. And the psalmist is saying that I was angry when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, he didn't say that. I was annoyed when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I started grumbling when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I started to dodge my bus, bus what? Bus captain when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I gave excuses when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know that some people, you have to bribe them before they come to church. Do you know, it's not easy, eh? 
Is there anybody here today who gave you a tough time before they came to church? Sure, there are. But fine protocol will not let you tell me. If you are the one, raise up your hand. We have closed your eyes. We've closed our eyes. He said, I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad. Now, that, that, that thing, I was glad, is suggesting a sudden willingness. It was not a problem. There was no reluctance. There was no dragging of feet. I was glad. It means I was willing. I was willing. I was glad means I was happy. So I was willing and I was happy or I was joyful when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you come to God, you must come with day. You must come with day. Day. Come with a lot of joy. Come with gladness. Come willingly. You are going to, you see, that's our problem. We don't really, we haven't yet grasped or we haven't yet received that revelation of who we are going to anytime we are coming to church. Some people come to church because they're going to meet their friends. Some people come to church because they're going to interact, they're going to dance, they're going to sing and all of that. Thank God for all of that. But those are secondary things. The primary reason why you come to church is to meet with your God, to interact with him, to fellowship with him. And when you are doing that thing, and when you are coming into his presence, you must come willingly. Nobody should force you. You yourself should understand the benefits you derive out of coming into the presence of God or coming to God. You should know it. You should know it. So before the meeting time, you should be prepared. When it's Saturday, you should know that Sunday I'm going to church. I'm going to interact with my God. I'm going to meet up with my God. I'm going to meet up with the lover of my soul. And so I am going gladly and joyfully. Because you see, God doesn't want us to come to him with a funny attitude. Like somebody is forcing you. And one of the things today, I think we even prayed about it. I ask that we should pray that people will come to church willingly and joyfully. Not because somebody is forcing them. Because I've seen some of those things before. Where sometimes people are forced to come to church. I've seen it before. But I don't want it to be like that here. I want anybody who is coming to church to come willingly and joyfully. Willingly and joyfully. Knowing who you are coming to meet. Knowing what you are likely to get if you come with the right attitude. So from today, never let coming to church or anything that has to do with going to God be a difficulty for you be a burden for you be a problem for you be a challenge for you never but like the psalmist said you must say i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord hallelujah let's run through the seven attitudes again attitude number one is what attitude of reverence number two 
attitude of thanksgiving. Number three, attitude of humility. Number four, attitude of boldness and confidence. Number five, attitude of faith. Number six, attitude of expectation. Number seven, attitude of willingness and joyfulness. Once you come to God with these seven attitudes, I guarantee that something good will always happen to you when you come into the presence of the Lord. Rise to your feet and let us close. God bless you, my friends. God bless you. Let us pray. What a blessing it is to come to church to hear your word and to hear things that will help as benefit from your presence anytime we come to you. I pray for everyone that these seven attitudes will become a part and a parcel of us. I pray that anywhere there is a struggle to acquire any of these attitudes, may your Holy Spirit help our infirmities. But from this day forward, may our attitude before you be right so that we can benefit mightily from your presence. Thank you, God, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.